0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Freedom Talks. This is Brady, and it's a pleasure to have Colin Carr back on the podcast. He is the founder and CEO of Carr Real Estate. He is a commercial real estate expert who has successfully completed over a 1,000 commercial real estate transactions while saving his clients hundreds and millions of dollars, Um, and you have grown this nationwide company, and um, we've had you on before. We had you on in August of 2020, I I, I looked, and... um, I was curious off the bat to see like what's changed for you over the past two years and has the landscape changed at all? It still seems like everything is crazy in the real estate market. Um, how is it on the commercial side of things?
1: Yeah. So uh, for us, we, we've we just continued to, to grow and scale. And you know, the, the game plan for us has been how can we help more healthcare providers? So um, that is a a target for us that's very large and very important. Uh, so, yeah, we're in a bunch of new states, a bunch of new markets. Uh, and really just the focus is really the same, though. How can we help healthcare providers capitalize on purchasing commercial real estate, you know, doing a better job when they renew their leases, helping them scale. And so really for us, the, the objective is still the same. Uh, as far as the landscape today, yeah, we were talking uh, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, Everyone's uh, asking the question, you know, what is the what's the market today? You know, post COVID or coming out of COVID, and really the answer is um, it's not much different than it's been the last year and a half. I mean, we everyone had the the startle of is the world going to end? What what's going to happen? Uh, you know, that was the the March, April, May timeframe going back a couple of years ago, and then once people realized that hey, we've got to find a way through this pandemic, um, things kind of leveled out. You know, we've certainly seen uh, an impact in the market. You know, you've seen you know a significant number of businesses closed down not be able to reopen which is unfortunate um you've seen a lot of larger national retailers downsize. You've seen know, a lot of large uh, corporate users decide they don't need as much office space with people working from home but for the most part it, it's a very similar market than it was uh compared to a few years ago uh, you know we, we've took got very very favorable interest rates so that's that's a, a good you know that's a good thing that's a of people to still transact at a high level um, supply chain issues have definitely disrupted pricing. And so construction costs are definitely higher today than they were a few years ago. Um, but most landlords today are still willing to make a deal. They still want their spaces filled. They don't want vacancy. And so whether it's a lease renewal negotiation or it's leasing a brand new space or buying a space, you know, most landlords, most sellers are still pretty motivated today. And I would say you can get a slightly better deal today than you could have prior to COVID. And so you take that with lower interest rates with a little bit higher construction costs And it's honestly, it's a very similar market as far as the total cost of doing a deal right now.
0: So just uh, recapping to make sure I got that right. So in a combination with like build out costs and combine that with potentially slightly lower, uh, maybe rental rates due to openings, it's about still about the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go build a new building today, it would cost more than it would have a few years ago. But if you're looking at existing product existing properties that are already there if it's a second generation space that's coming up for lease you're probably going to get a slightly better lease rate today than you would have you know maybe two two and a half years ago
0: okay and um so when navigating that market um how um you know how should uh someone who's looking to lease space like start their process of that search.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the most important elements of doing a real estate transaction is to make sure that you see all the top options available to you. So if you're in a current space and you think you want to renew, that's great, but you should still go to the market and see what other options are available to you. Cause there could be a much nicer property for the same or lower price. There could be landlords that are motivated to pay for your entire build out and get you into a brand new space and have it only cost slightly more than you're paying now, or maybe, maybe no difference whatsoever. Um, And so you want to always understand what your other options are. You can't compare, you can't compare one option to itself. You have to compare one option to multiple other options. If it's a new space and even on a lease renewal, you know, you can't compare, you can't compare your current space to others if you don't go to the market and actually see what's out there and actually negotiate. So, you know, it's really important in today's market to understand what are your options to lease? What are your options to purchase? A lot of healthcare providers have never even considered purchasing. There could be no options to purchase. And so it could be a moot point, or there could be multiple options to purchase. And that could be a phenomenal way for you to diversify, to create an additional asset base. And eventually, someday, when you go to sell your practice or transition out, that real estate could be worth even more than your practices. So it's important to understand are there options to purchase? And if so, what does it look like? What does it cost to get in that real estate? What's the down payment? Uh, what type of loan terms would be available to you with your financial position and your practice? And then understand if that's available, then how do you run those numbers? And if options to purchase are not available, what are your top options to lease? You know, should you be in retail? Should you be in office? Should you be in more of a flex property? And what are the pros and cons of each? So a lot of people just find themselves in a certain property type. And, and the the picture I'd give you, it's just, it's a very deep rut. You're, you're there. You think that, you know, I've been here for a long time. I need to stay here. Could be could be that's the best property for you but it could be that there's also other options out there that are dramatically better in terms of visibility or access or synergy with other providers other retailers other office users and it makes sense to figure out what those options are and then compare them and then when you do that you can make a decision with 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 economic information you know with the emotional perspective on it you can make an informed decision that's going to give you peace of mind in your decisions
0: so it certainly sounds like you're saying like there's not necessarily one right way to do it whether you do purchase and, and add that asset or you do look for the best lease options but you should at least explore all of the options. Now with healthcare providers, do you like what is the the biggest barrier to them moving generally that you see? Like what's the biggest pushback you get when you say you know, even though there might be better spaces available for me, I feel like if I moved my business, like, uh, you know, my existing clientele wouldn't like it, or I don't think I would be easily as found. What, what do you generally give as pushback to that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you just, you just mentioned two good points. You know, is it a disruption to your patient base to go to another location? Uh, is it going to be hard for them to find you. I mean, those are great questions. Here's what i tell you. If you're moving into a nicer or better location, whether it's a better property as far as aesthetics, maybe it's a larger space, or maybe it's a similar building, but you're going to build out a brand new space, you're just getting new upgrades, new carpet, new paint, new fixtures, etc. You can make them to a really big positive. When they're coming in to see, you can tell them, hey, we're extremely excited. we got a brand new space we're moving into or a new building. And then you tell them why you're doing it. You get them excited with you in the process. If you're going to move into a property that, that's inferior, then yes, that's going to have a negative impact on you. If it's not as easy to access or park or get to, those are challenges. So if there's negative things that are there, no question you want to find a way to work around those. But typically, you've got to get your patients involved in that, in, in that excitement. Um, as far as the actual question, what are the concerns? A lot of people are concerned with what's the cost? Is, is the newer property or different property going to cost me more per month? That's certainly an evaluation you need to think about. Um, other times it's hey, you know, we got the rent figured out, but what, what's the cost of moving? Well, again, that's a really positive aspect. Most landlords will give you enough free rent to offset your moving costs. And so most of the time you can eliminate or wipe out all those moving costs with a couple months of free rent up front. If you're moving to purchase a property, well, again, the, the moving costs are gonna be are gonna be negligible compared to. You know, the equity that you're going to build in that property, the upside the depreciation, the additional tax deductions through depreciation for the property. And long term, you know, after you've been in that property for 15, 20 years, you have a a building that's paid off free and clear that's worth hundreds of thousands or over a million, you know, you're not going to care if you if it costs you a month or two's worth of rent to move that thing.
0: Now I'm curious, um, and I don't know if you'd have the answer to this, but you know, within healthcare, that's a broad range of, you know, people that you could be helping. Uh, Or owners or systems, hospitals, whatever it is, right? Um, Do you have like a certain clientele, whether it's like dentists or PTs or OTs or surgeons or whoever it is, like a certain section of the healthcare system that you found it's like it's the hardest to work with because of either things that need to be built out into the properties or? you know, maybe even it's down to like, Hey, I found that this particular subsection has is really picky or hard to work with or whatever it may be.
1: That's a great question. Um, and we do, we work with every type of healthcare specialty and vertical you could possibly imagine. Um, let me, let me word it this way. I, I can answer quickly. Um, so no, there's not one type of industry that's more difficult. There's certain types of healthcare providers that maybe become more difficult in the process. Um, but I mean, every every type of use is a little bit different. You know, when you talk, talk about like therapy, for instance, whether it's PT or OT, you can typically get most landlords to pay for the entire build out for a therapist as part of a five, seven, or ten year lease. And so that makes moving into a new space or relocating or starting up for a therapist much easier than it would be for a dentist or a veterinarian. So there's a lot of positives on the therapy side. Uh, a lot of times chiropractors is the same thing. Again, not always, sometimes the, the desire for the finishes can be higher, but most of those uses, the floor plans are very similar to a traditional office user. And so a lot of landlords will pay for the entire build out or they'll give an allowance that covers the, the tenant's build out. If you get into uses like dental or veterinary, Um, There's a lot more involved with with plumbing and gas lines and and other things like that as far as fixtures, the the cabinetry and millwork, there's just a lot more that's there. So those tend to be more expensive, Um, but there's also a lot of people that help support and work in those areas. There's architects and contractors and lenders. All they do is work with those specific verticals or industries. So, I mean, as far as building out a new space... Uh, therapy you're going to have one of the easiest build-outs possible a lot of them will pay for the entire thing or the vast majority and you can you can move a, in a much uh, easier manner than you know a veterinarian or oral surgeon could
0: now does this vary state by state in terms of like deals that you can get or the way the market's going i'm sure i'm sure that like the how populated the area has got to affect a little bit right like your, Absolutely. your ability to know, negotiate, get deals and things like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it comes down to inventory. You know, when there's, when there's less properties available, landlords are more bullish, very similar to residential real estate. If you're in a neighborhood, <clears throat> excuse me, there's only one house for sale and it's a hot market that seller is going to be more, more bullish and more aggressive in what they think they can achieve for that house. If you're in a neighborhood, there's four or five houses for sale and they've been sitting there for months at a time and it's a slow market they're gonna get more aggressive. Um, so inventory, what's available, you know, vacancy rates, those things play into it. And then overall, just, you know, what's the desirability of the area? I mean, if you're in, you know, a certain part of Miami versus maybe in you know in the outskirts of Tulsa, those are very different markets. And so um, lease rates are different. Concessions are different. Um, how landlords uh, treat tenants is very different. Honestly, and then you can you can find yourself in a place where maybe you have a property again in an outskirt of Tulsa, but maybe you have an owner from you know Los Angeles. And sometimes they'll they'll transfer the way they do business in, in Los Angeles into that property or into that listing. And so the, the different regions or geographies can definitely
0: play a huge
1: role in what you can attain economically, but also how landlords will
0: interact with you as well. Could you kind of like expand and give like an example of? how business is done in Miami versus Tulsa. If we're using that example, like how are the landlords going to, uh, interact with you and give you certain kinds of deals or how are they going to work with you differently? Like, what is that experience in both of those places and how different are they?
1: Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. If we're talking about, let's take a deal in, in a portion of Miami that's extremely that's extremely fast-paced, that is extremely low inventory, uh, everything is class A. Those landlords are, are going to assume that multiple tenants are going to compete for that space or for that occupancy. They're going to assume that they have the upper hand. They're going to assume that whether you lease it today or someone comes by tomorrow, it's going to get leased and it's going to be probably more on their terms than it's going to be on your terms as the tenant. And so that's more of a of a you know, a really aggressive market that's very tight inventory. And again, typically you are competing with people. And even during COVID, even during the months when things were shut down, like in, in the March, the April, May, et cetera, um, we saw certain markets across the country like in Orange County, certain parts of Miami, et cetera, where nothing stopped. Like, like they said, hey, we don't care the world's shut down, it's gonna open back up again. And if you don't move forward with this property, we're gonna give it to the next person. And so we saw there as being very bullish in those markets. Um, I think it just again it depends on inventory. If you've got multiple spaces available, you know if you show up to a property that's got two or three vacancies and there's space across the street and down the street available, those landlords are going to get more aggressive in those deals. They're going to be more accommodating. They're going to be more likely to bend on things that are important to you. And then you get everything in between too. It might you might not have a ton of properties available, but there might be two or three you're competing with. You know every landlord's motivation is a little bit different, and so um, it's hard to stereotype them all into one category. But you know, understanding the differences in the current economy, in that city, that sub-market, and then what's available in the immediate area, all those things play into the negotiation.
0: So when you're negotiating, and like you said, those bullish landlords that are kind of aggressive, and, and obviously you're dealing with a lot of competition, uh, what, is, what does winning like look like in that scenario for whoever's trying to lease or purchase?
1: Winning, winning would be defined, first and foremost, can we get the property? Okay. A a lot of times people are are obsessed with a certain negotiation tactic. Like no matter what price is listed, I have to get a price that's lower. And and that's, that's not a recipe for winning. You know, if if you're in, again, I'll use like Orange County as an example. Now, if you're in Orange County, California, and there's, there's one property available that meets your requirement and they're listing it for two and a half million dollars. If you hear a price and you instantly think I have to get a lower price, you're going to probably lose they might list it at 2.5 million and winning might be paying $2.7 million to get that property if you really want it. So winning is first and foremost, finding the right property. That's the best fit for your requirement. Some markets, if there's only one property, that's going to be the best property or the right fit. Um, Next comes, you know, the economic concessions, um, the business deal points, stuff like that. But um, winning is first and foremost, getting the right property, that's the best fit for your requirement. That's going to position your practice to be the most successful that it can be.
0: And then say you're in like a moderately hot market where you can find some of those places for lease, maybe you have some competition, but maybe there's not. And you're talking more of those concessions that those landlords might give like the build out costs and things like that. Is that what is kind of more constitutes on on getting the best deal in those markets? Yep, absolutely. So in those scenarios, let's just call that a normal market, if you will,
1: you're looking for a build-out period if you're leasing, it's going to cover the entire time that you're building out, you know, doing not only the actual construction, but also leading up to construction, the design, the permitting, the construction documents, all that that process takes time. And so while you might only be swinging hammers for let's say eight or 10 weeks or 12 weeks at the most during a traditional build-out for a healthcare practice, it takes a five or six month period of time Uh, in its entirety to actually get that done. So we're looking for a free build-out period. We don't want to have anyone paying rent before you can actually occupy a space or we don't want you paying rent while you're paying rent somewhere else. We don't don't want you paying double rent, if you will. So free build-out period. Um, Additionally, if we can capture free rent when you're moving into the new space, that can be used to offset your moving costs or offset your startup costs. That's another huge win as well. Um, Beyond that, we're going for the most competitive lease rates possible. And again, there's there's no like set number that means it's competitive, whether whether it's below what they're asking or above what they're asking, it's all in comparison to what other options are in the market, okay? Sometimes they'll quote a lease rate as a landlord, but there's nothing built into that deal, and we need to build in the TI allowance, the free rent, the other concessions, so the rent might go up above what they're quoting. That doesn't mean it's a bad deal, what, what constitutes a bad deal is when you compare it to three or four other options in the market and you find yourself paying more than the rest of them for a property that's maybe inferior or lower quality, et cetera. You know, lease rates, people get locked onto that, kind of like interest rates, and they'll say, well, you know, what's the lease rate? Again, the lease rate is one aspect. You could have a higher lease rate, but have a much higher tenant improvement allowance or free rent package and have the total effective cost of what you pay over 10 years be less than a lower lease rate. Again, someone might say, hey, I want the lowest lease rate, but if you have to borrow an extra $100,000, $200,000 to build out of space and then pay interest on that over the next 10 years, that could total more than a higher lease rate. So you got to look at the economics of the deal in their entirety. What's the lease rate? What's the TI allowance? What's the free rent package? What are the annual increases? And then other concepts like, do you have to personally guarantee it? Do you have an option to purchase? Do you have an assignability clause that will allow you to get out of the lease if you sell your practice? all those things weigh in. And it's not just the economic terms, which are very important, don't get me wrong, but there's also a lot of business deal points too that get overlooked that that can have a lot of value there too. If you don't have an assignability clause and you can't transfer your lease if you wanna sell your your practice and get out of it, that's a very tough place to be. You can find yourself in a place where you sell or transfer your practice, but you could be on the lease as a personal guarantor of that lease. I mean, that's the equivalent of you selling your house and having to guarantee the buyer's mortgage on your house, which you don't own anymore. So, there's things that are economic in nature that are very important. There's also things that are that are business uh, oriented that are also very important as
0: well. And so, you know, you brought up a lot of like things to factor in. So, if you're a healthcare provider, and I think this goes to show how valuable you know someone like you can be, or a company like yours can be. Are you? It sounds like it would be a mistake for someone to not reach out to somebody like you or you and get help whenever they are looking at their renewal date or if they're looking to lease or purchase, correct?
1: I would say so. I mean, I, I, I always like to ask the question, what is your objective? Is your objective just to close a deal and sign a lease or buy a building? If that's your objective, then, I mean, certainly you can do that yourself or you can hire anyone you want to. If your objective is to make sure that you see every top option available to you, you negotiate simultaneously with multiple landlords or sellers, and that you guarantee that you don't leave anything on the table and that you know for a fact that you're getting the best terms possible before you move forward... That's a different objective versus just getting a deal done. And so, if your objective is, I want to save as much money, I want to capitalize, I want to make sure that I don't miss seeing my best property options, then yes, I would say it's it's very advisable that you hire someone um, that specializes in healthcare. It's not different than a patient. I mean, if your objective is to not spend any money, then don't go see don't don't go see a provider or a doctor. Don't go see a therapist. Just don't spend money. If your objective is, I want to get healed, I want to get whole, I want to get restored, I want to get back to life, what's more important to you? And, and so the beauty in commercial real estate is you actually don't save money by not hiring a broker. You don't save that money. The, the lender doesn't pay you a commission. They just don't pay a commission to the one side or the listing broker gets a double commission. So in commercial real estate, you don't save money by not using someone. You basically just take the do-it-yourself approach and then you, you probably lose lose a lot of time and lose a lot of money commissions in commercial real estate are paid just like residential the seller or the landlord has a commission amount set aside predetermined in advance prior to even getting there and if you go to loan and don't have an agent that listing broker gets a double commission or the landlord will just pocket that half of the commission they're not going to give it back to you they're not going to give you a better deal they love to tell you they'll give you a better deal they're not telling you the truth unfortunately um i mean they know if they tell you hey don't have an agent we'll give you a better deal they know they're going to probably charge you you know 10 or 20 percent more than they charge a normal person they know that you're not going to push back as much they know that you don't have the time to push back they know that you're busy you're running a practice you don't want to deal with the stress and the conflict and confrontation so landlords love dealing direct with doctors because they know for a fact they're going to wear them out and they don't have the, the savvy, the market knowledge, or the expertise to really push for that good deal.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like resource and knowledge, and that's what it comes comes down to. Where you can provide that versus, uh, you know, maybe someone could work that out. But you're talking about a lot of a lot of extra work on on your behalf to be able to factor all those things in, and and again have the knowledge to be able to pull that off.
1: Yeah. Again, the the question comes out and this is repetitive, but it's, I'm repeating it for a reason. Is your objective to get a deal closed and just get it to go away for the next five or 10 years and not think about it? Or is your objective to get the best terms possible? That's, that's what we're talking about.
0: Is there anything else we missed in terms of like, what's important to know? uh, And and what are the important resources to have going into, um, you know, purchasing or leasing?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, if we're talking about purchasing versus leasing, uh, a lot of times the question, what should I do? And I asked that before, you should look at all your options. Once you actually narrow down, you should then compare the options to lease versus purchase. And you should look at the up upfront, like what's my down payment? How does it affect my cash flow? But you've got to go deeper and beyond there. You've got to say, all right, what are, what's the principal pay down look like? How much, if I cut a check every month for $7,000, but 3000 a month goes to pay down principal and my net worth increases by 3000 a month with the principal pay down, that, that puts a net effective number that's different than that $7,000 check. What do the tax deductions look like? If I can depreciate this, this asset and I can save tens of thousands per year in tax deductions, that changes the economics as well, too. I'm going to pay less to the government- but I'm I'm going to pay less to the government. I'm going to pay more to my bank, but that could be a net effect difference of, of, you know, leasing versus purchasing could be where it looks like purchasing costs more, but it could actually have an effect of of thousands of dollars less than leasing if you actually run an analysis. So, you know, purchase versus lease analysis, that's huge. Uh, Lease versus lease analysis is huge too. Again, higher lease rate, but higher TI allowance and higher free rent package, could be less overall over a five, seven or 10-year deal than having a lower lease rate and lower concessions. So that's important too. Um, but ultimately, I think the, the biggest game plan is just make sure that you're not getting taken advantage of. You, you don't want to waste your time. You don't want um, to open yourself up to pitfalls and complications that you don't find out until later because you didn't know what you were supposed to be looking at in the lease or the negotiation. And then you don't realize it until it comes up in the future. And at that point, it's too late to fix so, you know, avoiding pitfalls, avoiding complications, but ultimately it's all about peace of mind. You, know, you want to know that you're on the right track. I mean, if, if a patient comes to you and says, you know, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what I've been doing, and you tell them, listen, you're doing it exactly the way you're supposed to, and if you just keep doing it over the next 60 to 90 days, you're going to be 100% restored and you'll have no issue, that peace of mind was worth them coming to see you even one time. It's, it's not much different. If they're if they're on track, then you, you you help them stay on track, and then you get them down the road. You're not going to waste your time. You're not going to cost them more money. That's not how it works. In commercial real estate, it's about being efficient. It's about keeping you in the practice so that you're not distracted with real estate or distracted with landlords. It's about helping you to capitalize so that you can be as profitable as possible. If you lose $100,000 in a negotiation, I mean, that could be $300,000, $400,000, 500000 of, of production that you have to, to obtain just to pay that $100,000 mistake because you don't keep a dollar when you bill a dollar. So it, it's about efficiency. It's about protection. It's about peace of mind. It's about capitalizing economically. Mm-hmm. It, it's why you hire a professional. It's why a patient comes to a doctor.
0: So um, if there's not anything else that uh, we need to go over in terms of like why – it's helpful and how great it is for um, someone to be able to use, uh, someone who's really knowledgeable in the healthcare space, especially um, to help you save all that money uh, on leases and purchasing. Uh, I, would you mind if I asked you a few questions about um, kind of how you, your business has grown over the past few years? Because I think it is, um, you know, it, it's both interesting and I think helpful for... <laughs> You, you know, business-wise, what a lot of healthcare professionals are doing. And, and I know it's a little bit different, but, um, you know, how could you just kind of help explain some of like the key pieces to your success and your growth over the past, uh, couple years? Um, and, and since we last talked to you and, and what are the plans for the future?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to chime in in that area. Well, um, for us, I mean, we we started in Colorado back, I started our company back in 2009, and we spent the first five years just in Colorado, just up and down the front range, um, you know, working on hundreds and hundreds of deals of every shape and every size, every specialty. And we got to the place where uh, we were making a huge impact for healthcare providers, and the requests just kept coming in from you know from doctors in other markets. Like we, we'd have someone call us and say, "Hey, you helped a friend of mine in Denver. You know, I'm in Salt Lake. Can you help me?" Or I'm in Kansas City. And so we just kept we just kept saying no to that, and just kept staying focused to the the, the Colorado market. But then in 2014, beginning of 15, um, we went ahead and expanded into our first market outside of Colorado. And again, we were met with open arms. So that's that's been our trajectory ever since, is just figuring out how we get into more markets and how we can help more healthcare providers. And so today we are now in over 40 states and uh, we will be licensed in all 50 states here within the next few months. So, you know, we touch deals, you know, from, the, from Alaska to the tip of Florida, everything in between. And for us, uh, you know, we, we love real estate. We love what we do but really our, our mission statement is how can we help healthcare providers be more successful and you know we're not we're not jack of all trades you know we're not your marketing group we're not your we're not your contractor we're not your architect you know we work with these groups and we can recommend great people but we just try to stay focused and stay in the center of the bullseye for us which is which is healthcare
0: providers and real estate and that's really our game plan And so you mentioned licensure in 50 states, and that's amazing that you'll be able to work across the entire U.S. and help healthcare providers. What is the biggest barrier to entry and kind of why from that time period from 2009 to 2014 did you say, no, I don't really think we want to go outside the Denver market? And then obviously, you know, overwhelmingly it sounded like it would be a good idea. But what is like the barrier to entry to deciding, hey, we're going to go ahead and expand?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So let me, let me say it this way. Um, You know, 2009 to 2014 for us was, was just mastering fundamentals. And, And I can translate that to, you know, to, to, you know, your practice, you know, how do you, how do you deal with, you know, working with insurance companies? How do you deal with working with referring physicians? How do you deal with, with how long a patient takes to, be seen and get processed through the system when you get onboarded as a new patient. You know, how much downtime when they're in your practice with you talking to other patients? So you're trying to work on all the kinks. How do you how do you let them know that you want them to refer you to their friends and family and that they can trust you to do that? And so you're working on all these things. You're working on staffing issues. You're working on marketing. You're working on real estate. You're working on clinical aspects. And you're just trying to become as effective in every area as possible and i think that's really the key for any business if you're going to be as successful as possible or scale you've got to look at each part of your business and you've got to break it down you've got to quantify it how many new patients did you bring in your practice last month how many people called you or contacted you for information that maybe did not come in and, and then why what could you do to have gotten them in the practice even if it was a complimentary evaluation like what could you do to help increase that, the capture rate of people inquiring versus coming to see you? How many that come to see you are coming back to see your practice? Um, how how efficient are you when they actually enter your office? Are they there for an hour, but they could have actually been there for 40 minutes if you would have done things more effectively with them? And so for us, it, I could translate that into real estate. You know, we've got to find better ways to negotiate with landlords. We've got to find ways to Help prepare our clients during the transaction so that they're not waiting on us during the deal. If we're negotiating on four or five properties, we need to get them in touch with the architects, with the contractors, with the with the CPAs, with the attorneys, with the marketing companies. And we need to be working on all these other elements of their future business while we're doing real estate, even though we're not ready for those things quite yet. We need to prepare them for that. And so, you know, for us, it's about efficiencies, it's about, you know, just mastering every subsect of our business and you know we spent you know five six years really working hard in those areas and then um, we still work hard in those areas today like we, we have not arrived by, by any measure um but we we got to a place in 2014 and 15 where we were we were really good at certain core fundamentals and then it became time to help you know or to go in other markets and help other providers and so um that's what we do i mean today uh, you know i look at every part of our business i mean i was on a call this to- this morning for over an hour, just looking at how, uh, how different lenders work with different types of practices and what the different requirements are and how we can make sure that all of our agents have all the information and all the, all the tools they need to make sure that we have 10 different types of financing available, depending on your practice or the transact So show for us, it's about studying. It's about studying every aspect of our business and, and trying to figure out ways to improve it.
0: And so, uh, you mentioned that you're about to be licensed in 50 States again, um, so after that's completed and, and you start growing it in all 50 states, like what do you see as like the next step for the business? Is it just is scaling even more? How, how much how many more deals you can complete or are there there are plans beyond that? Yeah, I mean, so uh, really our, our trajectory
1: isn't going to change. I mean, we'll, we'll add probably somewhere around like 60 to 70 people to our company this year. And, and that trajectory won't change for you know the next 10 years minimum I mean we just there's you know, we will go into a market and we'll start working in a certain area but the amount of doctors that need our help is so much greater than we could ever possibly get to with just one or two people so if, if you're talking about you know going into a market like Chattanooga Tennessee you know we need to put one or two people there if we're in a market such as you know the Bay Area San Francisco I mean that'll be a market with 15 20 people for us so for us just just keep on going Um, we're not growing just to have numbers. Like it's, you know, it sounds fun to say that you have X number of people on your team or whatever. That's great. But really for us, it's, about, it's about impact. If we can help more providers, that's the game plan. And then, you know, long-term, um, we, we love the idea of going to other countries as well. Uh, Canada's got some markets that are very similar to to America, you know, Vancouver, uh, Toronto, uh, Quebec, et cetera. There's a, a bunch of markets that are similar that, that could use our help. And we hear from those providers occasionally as well. So stuff like that. There's other countries, you know, Europe, Australia, stuff like that, where the doctors need our help as well. And no one's really there to do it for them as well. So um that that's the game plan is just keep keep doing what we do every day, get better at it, develop leaders, um, you know, pour into people and and hopefully deliver the best possible results to the doctors we best we can.
0: Well, that's, that's certainly amazing, and uh, obviously the rate at which you're, you're adding and growing is also amazing and, and fun to hear about, um, and we wish you but nothing nothing but success in the future. Um, so do you have any closing thoughts? Um, also, if you could maybe plug anywhere where you could find information on uh, your company and uh, where to go if someone is looking uh, for help with re- commercial real estate, especially in the healthcare market.
1: Absolutely. So the best way to get a hold of us is our website, and that is car.us, C-A-R-R.us. Upper right-hand corner of our website, you can click to find an agent. You can click to get a free lease evaluation or purchase evaluation. Um, We've got a resources tab that has uh, literally hundreds of of articles, videos, uh, glossary, FAQ, and so if you've got a lease and you're wondering what you know what an expense stop is, like we've got a whole section on and videos on expense stops, so you can get educated um, regarding your current lease. Or if you want to know how your lease compares to the current market, even if you signed a lease last year and you want to know how you did, we'll do a complimentary lease evaluation for you, no problem. So a lot of resources there, but the best thing someone can do is just get in touch with it with an expert. Let them let them talk to you over the phone or sit down in person and just tell them what you're trying to accomplish. And then that person will, will take over from there. Again, very similar to you, if someone comes in and says, hey, here, here's the MRI of my knee, here's where the pain is, and here's what's going on. You guys take over from there. It's very similar to us. You tell us what you're trying to accomplish, what's important to you, what you, what you haven't appreciated or liked about your past situation or lease or property. And then we start taking over from there and, and put it together.
0: Well, it's certainly nice uh, being in the healthcare space to know that there's someone out there that you can contact um, and kind of feel at peace that uh, things are gonna go your way. And so uh, we appreciate you coming on and thank you so much again for your time. Um, And we will link all of the social media tags as well as the phone number and emails and the website in the show description. So those links will be there. Colin, thanks again for coming on and have a wonderful day. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, an independent provider of comprehensive physical and occupational services. No matter how challenging your issues, if other treatments have failed, we are determined to help you heal starting with the very first visit. More convenient locations in the Milwaukee area. More information at freedompt.com.